Hey, we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinelli and Mitchell Valley here to give you the latest of what's going on in the sporting world from Tuscarawas County, Stark County, and beyond. Mitch is going to be back here with you again this week, and we are we are officially in the first week of the high school football season. We are weeks into the remainder of fall sports, and we're just getting started here uh, on another episode of our program. Mitch, football's not around the corner anymore like some it's like play on TV and radio. It's here. Preseason football has been going on, but this week wins and losses officially count in the state of Ohio for football at a level because high school football is back. Week one gets underway on Thursday. Also here on big time sports this week, but man, oh man, am I excited for high school football to be back as am I. And now we go into another, what hopes to be another very good football season here in Ohio. And with that, we want to start off with our first segment that we start off with every week here on the big time sports podcast show. And that is this week in big time sports. This is our upcoming uh, slate of schedule for the uh, broadcasts that are coming up here on big time sports, whether that's weekly shows, games, and everything in between. We want to give you the latest of what's going on here. We're going to switch it up this week. We're not going to start off with the big time sports show just yet. We're going to get to it in just a moment, but for now, we want to highlight the double headers of games in Tuscarawas and Stark that we will be having here this coming weekend. And we actually kick off the high school football season for our area on Thursday, on Thursday, August 17th. You will see on big time sports, the first of two games for Tuscarawas County. I'll start off with my side and we'll get to Stark and Mitch in a second on Thursday. You will see the fearless Falcons take on the Sandy Valley Cardinals in a very competitive area matchup, a rematch of last year's week one win for the Falcons over the cards. That game will be replayed on Thursday, 11 p.m. and Friday at 5 p.m. on your local listings, which we'll get to, to in a bit. On Friday, we will see the Green Bulldogs actually travel down from Uniontown to take on the Crimson Tornadoes of Dover. So it's a Stark versus Tuscarawas matchup replay Friday, this Friday at 11 p.m. North only. For Dover fans, you can check that out on WIVMTV.com. And then on North and South, it'll be played on Saturday at 2 p.m. And that is, those are two games that are very go- going to be very competitive this uh, upcoming weekend, especially between the Falcons and Cardinals and the Tornadoes and the Bulldogs. So with that, we want to talk about the game that we will be showcasing, Mitch, and the game that we will be showcasing live for our viewers here on Big Time Sports and the local broadcast network app. Take us through the information regarding that and the remainder of this uh, weekend slate here on BTS. Mitch, you got the Battle of 13th Street, a very good rivalry, and to kick off the season like it has the past couple of seasons, typically week two, Canton Central Catholic Crusaders against the Perry Panthers. That is Maslin Perry Panthers. Saying that just for a topic later when we bring up another yeah, Perry. yeah. But Mitch, that is a Thursday night kickoff live stream at approximately 7 p.m. here on BigTimeSportsOhio.com or the LBN app. And then the replay time will be Thursday, 11 p.m. at night. And then Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Well, you'll be able to rewatch the Canton Central Catholic Crusaders and the Perry Panthers. Maybe you'll go to the game and maybe you'll say, wow, that was such a great game. I'm going to watch it again. I wouldn't blame you. Or maybe there's just not enough, enough high school football for you yet. Either way, you can watch that live or on replay on the times there that I just stated or now on your screen as Mitch shows you. But Mitch, you you talk about big time week one matchups. And I know we have another week one matchup we'll get into here soon, but 
This is a pretty big one, especially when you're talking about two teams separated just a street apart. Absolutely. It's going to be a very competitive matchup between two teams that are looking to find more of their identity coming off of their runs last season. Now, we also have one more game to get to here. Another uh, Stark versus Husqvarna area matchup. The new Philadelphia Quakers will open their season at Woody Hayes Quaker Stadium this coming Friday night to take on the Leopards of Louisville High School. That game will be replayed on Friday at 11 p.m. and Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Spectrum 15 and 989, depending on your local cable listings. You can also check it out on MCTV 128 or WIVMTV.com. Once again, that's either Spectrum Channel 15 or 989, depending on your local cable listings. You can also see it on MCTV 128, and you can find it on our website, WIVMTV.com. Watch all of our games and weekly shows anywhere in the world. So you have two, you have four great games here to watch here on the replays here on Big Time Sports. And of course, you can check out the uh, game between Central Catholic and Perry uh, on a live stream approximately starting at 7 p.m. on BigTimeSportsOhio.com and the local broadcast network app. Those replays will be on Thursday at 11 and Friday at 2 p.m. So you have a huge slate of games here coming up. We also have here on the Big Time Sports Show this week, the new Philadelphia volleyball team will be on on Wednesday at 7 p.m. and on Friday at 10 p.m. So you'll get to see uh, Coach Reason and her girls there in studio with Charlie Jones. And uh, Mitch, we also have one of the top incoming teams in the area, it seems, uh, on the Stark side for the Big Time Sports Show this week. Yeah, we sure do. We have the McKinley Bulldogs and head coach Antonio Hall joining the Big Time Sports television show this week, Mitch. You'll get to get kind of a sense of where the Bulldogs are at as they prepare for their week one matchup against Warren Harding. That is away this week up in Youngstown and kind of get a sense of what Coach Hall has really liked coming off of last season with some of these big time players returning and then what they have to offer in some of these unexperienced players. No better time to get to know McKinley now, because once the season gets started, maybe you'll be able to keep an eye out on some of these guys that coach hall brings to the show and talks about. And like we've kind of mentioned the past couple weeks, Mitch McKinley really is a team that I think is probably poised to be atop the federal league as the season starts, at least on paper, obviously every team has a fighting chance. They all play each other, but just in terms of the talent, McKinley's returning after a, a nice season last year. This is a team you're going to want to watch out for. Absolutely. And you can find that replay on Thursday at 7.30 and Saturday at 8.30 a.m. So with that, we now go over to our first segment of the show. We obviously want to talk about the upcoming slate of games for this weekend. Uh, a number of great matchups to get to here this week, Mitch. And I'll, I'll start off with Stark. I mean, the, the matchup you mentioned uh, between McKinley and Warren Harding is going to be very interesting because McKinley is coming off of a season that I also found it extremely interesting. You go into a matchup like this with a school that's kind of out of your area, kind of a ways away from what you're usually accustomed to in federal league play. I mean, what what adjustments do you think that McKinley will have to make early on in, in the season to in comparison to the likes that they'll play later on in the year? Well, gotta be careful I say this because I know how a lot of McKinley fans felt last season early on, but Mitch, you have to limit the mistakes. Now, we'll throw the Mentor game out outside of this obviously because there were some questionable calls according to which side you talked to. But either way, Mitch, a lot of the time when you have a team coming into the season, everybody's excited, right? Everyone's excited to run out of that tunnel, whether it's home or away, hear that band playing, see their fans roaring. You have to be able to channel those emotions and not let them get the best of you. Because sometimes, Mitch, when you're so pumped up and eager and the adrenaline gets going, you're liable to make a mistake. And I'm not talking interception and fumble it could be something as simple as a costly false start or costly offsides or a holding penalty can mckinley stay disciplined here early on 
that is kind of what hurt them early on in the season last year when they had a tough non-conference schedule. They return a number of really good players, a number of returning lettermen, obviously, and Coach Hall now there in what I believe is his third season as the head coach at McKinley really should have a grip on what he is trying to do with this team and the players should have a good understanding. So I really just want to see, can this Bulldog team stay disciplined? Because Mitch, we know they have a lot of athletes. We know they have talented players all around on both sides of the football. Typically, what's going to derail them is either lack of focus or costing themselves you know, points, costing themselves possession, and costing themselves getting off the field on third down as a defense. And so I want to see how focused McKinley is, knowing that this is a big year, especially with Keaton Road at quarterback and Nino Hill at running back. This offense is poised to have a breakout year, and the defense under Hall has been pretty stellar so far. No doubt, and it's going to be a very uh, intriguing matchup. Alongside that, on the other side of the tracks, you have a game in which Malvern, or Malvern Maslin will be uh, inviting in an out-of-state opponent to open the season, and this is one that I've been seeing just driving through the streets of Maslin the last, uh, over the last few uh, weeks. You're seeing the banners on the on the streets. You're seeing the uh, the anticipation build up for Tiger fans. You see the Tigers facing off against Valdosta, the all-time winningest program in high school football history, and what do you make of such a big matchup like this where it's it almost seems too big to be a real, just simple high school football game between uh, two top five programs in the country, Valdosta coming off some success, Maslin trying to build off their success from last season. And it's going to be played in this massive stadium in Paul Brown. It's going to be a bunch of people are going to be coming through. It's almost as going to be as big as the McKinley game this year for them. What, I mean, what do you make of Maslin if, if you're trying to like, make sure that they're keeping themselves contained, trying to keep themselves focused on beating this incoming out-of-state foe. It's one game, right? And it's week one. Yes, a win or loss can make or break your season. But at the same time, Mitch, we're not talking about a team that's a fringe playoff contender. Maslin has been in the playoffs every year. They are 71-13 and 13 the previous six seasons combined with five regional championships and three state runner-ups. This is a team... It does not rebuild, they reload. And under head coach Nate Moore, this is exactly what he wanted to do. We had talked previously in another episode, Mitch, about the schedule they have this year, how it kind of looks tougher than usual. My thought process on that as an outsider is, look, this is a team that just cannot seem to get over that hump, which unfortunately for them has been Akron Hoban in football. But if you load up the front end of your schedule and you take the beatings early, or you you win early and you realize how talented of a team you have, that only builds confidence if you're winning. If you lose, you know what you have to work on just to beat the best of the best. We're not talking about the best team in Ohio here, Mitch. We're talking about one of the best teams in the country in high school football in Valdosta, Georgia. This is a big-time matchup. I cannot remember a week one matchup of this magnitude of two of the top five winningest high school football programs in the country matching up, let alone here in Stark County. Paul Brown Tiger Stadium is going to be a sellout. It is going to be loud. I am intrigued to see what the media looks like in terms of all the uh, waivers and, and who got permission to come. Because Mitch, if I'm guessing here, I'm guessing almost any outlet, not just locally, you know, regionally, maybe some national, because these both, both these teams have a tremendous amount of talent, tried to come and cover this game in one in some way, shape, or form. But Maslin, much like McKinley, 
is going to have to channel their emotions. You want to talk about McKinley having to channel their emotions in week one. McKinley is on the road. This is a home game. The Tiger fans are going to be rowdy, and rightfully so. And we'll see what Valdosta does in terms of traveling their fans. It's a big ask for high school football. But the spotlight is on Maslin this Friday night, Mitch. Can the Tigers respond? And if they can't respond, can they at least build off this game so they can see what they have to do better to be where Valdosta potentially is if Masson doesn't come out on the winning side? For sure, for sure. And a couple other, I mean, you talk about Maslin as well. Their defense will definitely have to set the tone in that when they'll return a number of great Ohio players like linebackers Dorian Pringle and Cody Fair that can maybe potentially showcase themselves in front of a national stage. So, you know, you look at some of those matchups there. Obviously, the likes of Green and Lake are still going to be in the mix this year. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see which teams might uh, size up in the remainder of the Federal League, as well as the outside conferences like the EBC or the Pac-7 this year, where uh, looking at some of those matchups, I mean, we might have mentioned this before, but like what, what teams in those respective conferences really stand out to you as these are the teams to look out for? Well, let's start in the Pac-7. It's Canton South, Mitch, led by quarterback Poochie Snyder, who has some history he's looking to accomplish this year in what will be his final senior season. Uh, Snyder comes in trailing Cameron Blair, uh, the former fearless quarterback. Excuse me. Sorry. My fault. Uh, he needs exactly... 1,800 yards on the dot and 36 touchdowns to surpass Blair in both the passing yards in a career, which is 9,181, and touchdowns in a career, which is 116. Not only does Poochie Snyder have records to go for, but Mitch, this is a team that we know is coming out hungry this year, looking to build off the success they had last year in the regular season in the playoff run they had. Poochie Snyder wants to end his senior season at Canton South on his own terms. That is a team I'm looking for. And then Alliance. Zerbrug, the quarterback, now an Oklahoma commit after some things. Was it Syracuse and Northwestern? Obviously, with everything going on at Northwestern and the coach being fired, his recruitment was able to be opened back up. He is now going to Oklahoma after the senior season at Alliance. This is a team that has lost a couple pieces, both from transferring and moving to different spots in, in the state of Ohio, but also returning some big-time pieces. How far can Zerbrug take the Aviators? We know he is a weapon. We know he's one of the top arms in terms of quarterback play here around Northeast Ohio. I am very intrigued to see what Alliance is this year and how far he could take them. Alliance is a team I'm looking forward to. You mentioned Canton South. Fairless is going to be trying to repeat as uh, at least co uh, conference champions in the pack seven here. And we're going to get uh, a number of teams also looking to make their mark as well. And then going back over to some of the games that we will be covering this week here on big time sports, this new Philadelphia Louisville game is very interesting to me because you have Louisville really has been struggling the last few years as an independent school, trying to find their footing. They're seven and 22 over the last three seasons, but they bring in a new head coach and Chris Kappas uh, to take over the leopards program. This is a guy who, uh, uh, came, comes in from Austin P as a defensive coordinator. He's coming back to uh, coach Louisville pro, to succeed Troy Davis. And uh, you have those matchups in there. Dover, obviously trying to repeat some of his success from last season as dig on green, who uh, put up a number, a lot of good numbers last season in the regular season, but just wasn't able to make, I mean, compared to some of the other Stark schools, you just want to, if you're green, you want to see yourself competing with the likes of those squads. 
you also have the ones uh, that we just mentioned in here. Fairless taking on Sandy Valley. Going to be interesting again. Sandy Valley, I think, got hitched on the loss of uh, Nick Petro last year as their quarterback and just needed to find their own offensive rhythm. Couldn't quite find it. If they get off to a good start here, it's going to be very interesting. And then we'll get through, through all this other stuff on Thursday. In the meantime, I, I do want to bring up this up. This was a post from uh, Northeast Ohio Zone, NEO Zone High School Sports on Twitter. And they they put out their annual preseason top 25 rankings. Uh, this is via this is via their Twitter page, and I'll pull it up right here. NEO Zone they put up the top twenty five teams that they expect for the preseason. They put St. Ed's at number one, and I'm assuming this is for all of the Northeast Ohio area. Yeah, of course mm-hmm. it is. Um, St. Ed's is number one, Hobart at number two. Not surprising there. Medina will be a three. You got Maslin Washington at number five. The Tigers at five. So it's like okay, they get a big win against Valdosta. You can uh, confirm that uh, uh, standing. And then you got a couple of other teams in this mix, mainly among them, among the Stark teams you have in there, Lake at 16, 17 Hoover. Uh, you have Alliance in there at 25. No likes of, what was it? Um, uh, no McKinley, no like other real teams in the Federal League. And you have all these replies. First of all, I like that they had to clarify number 23 Perry was not Maslin Perry because there is a Perry upstate um mm-hmm. in lake county and you just got all these replies all the a lot of these are even players within the area mitch that are like kind of lo- looking at it as two ways one being like yeah we this is where we belong or the second being all right you know as one of them say here keep sleeping on us see what happens see what happens keep sleeping on us the these are all preseason polls so the way i look at it you can take it is you use this as motivation or if you're a team, you understand that the bullseye is already on your back and you're going to have probably everybody's best shot for 10 consecutive weeks here during the high school football season. This is also just something for engagement, something to get people right. talking about, which it's doing a great job after you just showed the comments there. Look, I agree with some of the standings, Mitch. I think St. Ed's and Hoban obviously are one and two. I mean, look at the runs they've had the past few seasons. Medina is always a very talented team. Glenville coming off a state championship last year, returning a number of starters and Maslin Mitch, I just mentioned six straight or six years, 71 wins, 13 losses, five consecutive regional championships, three state runner up. I mean, they have not been able to get that last win that they want, but at the same time, that's still a very, very impressive resume. And they're returning a number of players, eight on the defensive side of the ball. After that, you know, Menor is going to be very talented this year. I mean, heck, they're going to be right down here in Stark County week one opening at Jackson Lake. What are they going to look like? Hoover, Carson Durland there. We know that, but kind of surprising to see no Kent McKinley on there. That's a team that maybe uses this motivation. Obviously green is probably feeling left out. Jackson feeling left out. Uh, Maslin Perry feeling left out. But at the same time, if you just control your, your business, you're going to be in that poll eventually. The, the one that gets put out preseason to me means nothing. It just gets people talking like you and I are doing right now. Exactly. Exactly. So when we come on back, we'll continue to talk about sports stories going on in the world. I mean, we'll talk about some things going on in football, uh, we'll bring up some basketball stories, all this coming up right here on the big time sports podcast show.
Paystar County, it's your friends from the local Board of Mental Health and Addiction Recovery, and we have a challenge for you. We're asking you to create a new habit and check in on someone every day. Nothing fancy, just a simple text, phone call, or note on social media to ask someone how they're doing. You don't have to be a professional, you just have to ask and then listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Text 4HOPE to 741-741 anytime, day or night, or dial 988. Brought to you by Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level eight. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Where you matter. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy anniversary from All Care. We're celebrating 25 years with our partners in the community. Here's Mike Galena. Sarda and All Care, side by side, both providing a great service to our local community. Where the two connect best is where Sarda is able to get our clients and members to their prescriptions, their health care, all the needs that they have that otherwise they may let go. Thanks to our community partners as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, it's Mitch Spinelli and Mitchell Ballow once again. Mitch, now it's time to go over into the baseball world because we are winding down the last 45 days of the regular season here just before the postseason begins, and we are 45 and change, rather. And with that, we're keeping an eye on the playoff race, trying to see which teams are solidifying themselves among the contenders and the pretenders here. We want to talk about Cleveland here as well because they started a series tonight against Cincinnati. I did talk about it this past weekend about how you know, this game that uh, the, the series that they had against Tampa Bay wasn't great for the first two nights. Obviously, with the issues that the bullpen has been having lately, they give up they they give up a lead after coming back in the ninth inning of the first contest on Friday. Then you lose that game after giving up a walk off home run to somebody. And then on Saturday, 
you have a matchup where you're up, you're up multiple runs like Tampa was in the, in the eighth and ninth inning. And then you blow that game and Emmanuel Classe, yes, he's leading the league in saves, but he's blown nine, had nine legitimate blown saves this year. It becomes a bit of a concerning part to where, even though he's still throwing gas, he's having trouble locating some of his other pitches and he's just throwing uh, batting practice balls. But Sunday made up for it. Sunday made up for it in a way that kind of gives you hope because you, you think, Oh, this team is capable somewhat of putting up multiple runs on the board and keeping Tampa Bay in check, especially with a guy like Tanner Bybee on the Hill, who's really making a name for himself among not just rookie pitchers in the American league, but rookies in general. Yeah. I mean, let's start with Bybee and got to throw Gavin Williams in there too. Mitch, they're both making themselves very relevant right now and also throwing their names into rookie of the year consideration. I mean, you look at the numbers, some of these, or you look at the numbers they both had really since the all-star break by really, I believe since June 14th or something like that, Mitch, their first, second and third in most major categories when it comes to win loss record, ERA batting average against uh, K through nine. These are two legitimate frontline arms, potentially Mitch moving forward, which I don't know. doesn't really surprise me when we're kind of labeled the factory of pitching. I, I mean, we just churn out pitching and pitching, but, this series the past weekend against Tampa really bothered me. Mm. There was a legitimate case to say they could have swept the Tampa Bay race. They scored three runs in the ninth without getting a hit three wild pitches. I don't know the last time I've ever seen it, if that's even ever even happened. And then Nick Sandlin gives up a walk off home run. Okay. Well, they come back the next day. They bounce back right away. They have a five to two lead. They, they look good, you know, and Emmanuel Classe had probably one of the worst meltdowns I've ever seen him have in his tenure in Cleveland. And there's nobody to blame but himself. Really. You look back a couple of weeks ago, the White Sox game, Ro Rokio and Cole Calhoun didn't make some plays, but Class A, Mitch, worries me, but I think he worries me because of overuse. Yeah, sure. He's tied for first, or maybe now he's second for most saves in all of baseball, or definitely in the American League. But Mitch, the nine blown saves, a number of those are because we have had to rely on the bullpen so much this season because of the inability of our starting pitching to go deep. Not to mention, you're realistically right now running a bullpen game out there every five days. Now, Xavier Curry pitched pretty well the other night. He started to settle in as a spot starter, but unfortunately, this is not going to get better, in my opinion. The, you're coming down games now where every outing is going to be big, and if you have to go to your bullpen at a certain time, you're going to. We know Terry Francona did it during the 2016 run, going to relievers in the sixth inning. Right. The The offense is just so hit or miss. It really is. Now, they exploded on Sunday. It was a bullpen game for Tampa, who also had their bullpen taxed in that series against us. I mean, their, their starters did not go long. Aaron Savali did not last long against Cleveland. I guess the silver lining was they did that all without Jose Ramirez in the lineup. Jose did get his suspension uh, reduced to two games instead of three after he appealed. And the offense scored, what, five runs on Saturday night and then came back and just unloaded on Tampa Bay on Sunday. The off day Monday, I think, will help. Moving to Cincinnati now, you have to still remain somewhat optimistic, Mitch, because the Minnesota Twins have been given chance after chance after chance to run away with this division. And they haven't. It's still four and a half 
games back in Minnesota, which call me crazy. That's a week of baseball, a week of bad baseball for Minnesota and a week of good baseball for Cleveland. You have two against Cincinnati, then you come home and play Detroit, and then you welcome in the Dodgers. That's going to be a tough task. Minnesota has the Detroit Tigers starting tonight. That's a team that took three or four from them last week. We'll have to wait and see, but Mitch, as long as they stay below five games, they're really going to be in this until middle of September, or most definitely until they play the Twins again in September. No, for sure. And especially with six games left against Minnesota, anything can happen between these two clubs. And if you just what stinks about the offense not being able to produce so much is that you're not going to have these games where the, the, the bullpen can afford to take a rest. So with that, you're going to get over usage. And I think with a guy who in class, a, who's still 25 years old. I don't think this is a guy that is so cause for concern that you move on from him quickly. Like someone else will get to in a second. Um, it, it's a guy that has, he he's had some bad luck. Uh, some of the numbers here, 58.8% left on base percentage, 330 uh, BA BIP. It's not he his slider isn't quite sharp against left-handed hitters specifically against a right-handed pitcher like him. Uh, his fastball has been at times down. It's been up at, at times lately, but it's been down a few times this season. So I think we're seeing a guy who's at a point now where he's not pitching phenomenally. He's pitching solid. He can still bring bring you in about two saves a week uh, at the average rate the team is playing right now, at least. So I, it's a guy that is kind of finding himself finding his footing still, but at the same time, you're just hoping that he can find another rhythm where he gets sharp again, especially at a point where they need every game to be decided to be determined potentially by the bullpen. So, and and the Cleveland bullpen in general has just been struggling over the last few weeks. I mentioned uh, when I saw the game against uh, uh, Atlanta or was it or not Atlanta? Um, Toronto recently when Daniel De Los Santos can't even get an out in the eighth inning. Trevor Steffen comes in. I still say they, they don't win. They don't keep that lead. If Springer doesn't get ejected, the manager doesn't get ejected after that strikeout. And then he's able to get the next two. So I don't know. It, it, we'll, we're going to have to see what comes here. I do think that they have some, they have a bit of a break playing Cincinnati at this stretch of the season when the reds are not as red hot as they once were at some point in this year, they play two games against them right now. Cincinnati has kind of fallen back to where they are tied for second in the NL central with Chicago and the Cubs have actually like when I thought the Cubs were going, when they, I heard the Cubs were going all in and keeping their guys like Cody Bellinger and all that from the trade deadline, I thought, that's not, I don't know about that move. And then sure enough, they are now tied at the Reds for three and a half games back behind Milwaukee. And you look at the wild card standings right now, the Cubs are a game back of Miami. The Cubs and the Reds are a game back ahead of Miami. So we're going to talk about some of the standings here too. But before we get to that, speaking of Miami, I mean, it just fr- it is frustrating to see Josh Bell just raking the ball with them at this point. Is it not? Why? Why? Like what? I don't know. I don't get it. He, he turns 31 today. He's reached base safely in all 11 games. He's played with Miami. He's slashing 310 at the plate, uh, 396 on base percentage, 643. And then two doubles, four home runs, nine RBIs and nine runs scored since Miami has acquired him. Mitch, that stat line, I just read you right there. We would have been lucky if that was a good month for yeah. Josh Bell here in Cleveland. And we, we couldn't get anything out of him. It's frustrating because we miss and desperately need home run and just power in general. Obviously, with Josh Naylor being down right now with an injury, you can tell this team is lacking the power or even just the threat behind Jose Ramirez. 
That is what we thought Josh Bell was going to be. Unfortunately, it wasn't the case, but it is so frustrating. Not only to see him playing at that level, but Ahmed Rosario is also playing pretty darn well in LA as well. That's also frustrating. Now they put him at second base and not shortstop, so maybe the airs aren't as egregious as they were here in Cleveland, but both guys we we shipped off. It's unfortunate to see how how well they're playing right now. Yeah, this is more so a case of getting hot at the right time, and if you're a Guardians fan, the wrong time. Um, but it, I think it'll it'll come back here in the next couple of weeks. Miami, though, depending on what they're doing, they may not be coming back down to earth here soon, as they are now in the wild card mix. As they as I had the numbers up here, uh, in the third spot right now. So if the playoffs uh, ended today, I got to expand my league standings here. If the playoffs if this playoffs started today. You would have the winners of Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Milwaukee uh, with those three in check. So then Milwaukee, as the lowest-seeded division winner, would play, uh, I believe, yeah, Miami is in there. And then Philadelphia and San Francisco uh, are also in the other wildcard series. Philadelphia's had a very good stretch here lately. They were down for a, for a good portion of the season. And it's because the Atlanta Braves are, are having arguably an even stronger season than they had two years ago that people are just forgetting about the other NLE squads. But Philadelphia allows Philadelphia and Miami to kind of build themselves up a bit. And then, of course, Los Angeles is still in the mix there as well. Then you go to the American League side where it's Baltimore, Texas, and Minnesota. Minnesota is what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best tied for seventh best record in the American league. And they're the division. They get in by proxy by American league central proxy. Um, so you have those two teams in there or those three teams in there. And then Tampa Bay, Houston and Toronto are your wild card teams. Toronto let Seattle slip in a few days ago, but Seattle's uh, dropped back here a little bit. They lost three in a row. So now uh, you have potentially four NL East or no three NL AL East teams in the American league playoff mix and uh, there there's other teams in there. Boston and the Yankees aren't officially out of it as well, but they kind of feel like they're just sliding back. I mean, you look at all these divisions, what is the most intriguing race to you? I know we're focused on the, on the AL central. Nobody outside of the American league central is interested in the AL central. So with that, I, I want to know your take on what you think is the most intriguing race between all these different sorts of clubs it would be the american league east but i do think that with where the standings are at now mitch i do think baltimore is going to win that division because of all the injuries and issues tampa bay is having right now if tampa bay had their starting rotation healthy i also don't even think this would be a question i think tampa bay would have ran away with this division already They've lost four pitchers this year. There's a reason they traded for Aaron Savale. They lost Shane McClanahan, who is a former Cy Young Award winner in previous years. Tyler Glass now is still not completely himself, obviously coming back from a couple injuries. It is the American League West. Houston is three games behind Texas in the win column, four in the loss column. Everybody, I think, thought Houston was going to be the team to win the American League this year. It wasn't going to be a contest. And here's Texas. They traded for Max Scherzer. They've there's been ebbs and flows of good and bad with them. They've dealt with injuries all over the field with numerous everyday players. Yet they are still sitting atop the American League West with a anywhere between two and a half to four game cushion. I also would love to see somehow, I've told you this before, 
I would love to see Texas and Houston play in the playoffs. I would love to see that game one of Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander because the two teammates this year in New York going head-to-head and then also having New York Mets fans have to cry and watch that because their team's just downright horrendous would really bring me joy if Cleveland can't get into the playoffs. I do think, though, the American League wild card, the three teams in there right now, it will be either those three or Seattle. I am going to say Boston's done. New York is done. Obviously, the Angels have no shot. And then yeah. Cleveland or Minnesota, whoever's second in the American League Central, has no chance of winning a wild card spot. But no, I, I'm really intrigued with the American League West because those two teams still have to play each other in Texas and Houston. And you can bet. Remember, Mitch, Texas built that brand new, beautiful ballpark in 2020. The only playoff games it's seen was the World Series in the bubble. You don't think the Texas Rangers fans want to pack that place in postseason play? That would be an electric atmosphere. And I am here for it. I don't know why I've always liked the Texas Rangers outside of Cleveland. I remember when they made their World Series runs a couple of years or, you know, 10, 12 years ago. I was always finding myself rooting for them, but that that's it. The Rangers in Houston, who's going to win the West and who is going to come in second and where will they fall in the wild card standings? I like it. So when we come back, we'll go over some more football stuff. Obviously, the Browns played the Commanders this weekend in uh, preseason action. Now they're taking on Philadelphia and uh, things are going on. We'll be back right after this. Five Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website albantitle.com. 
Let them put their experience to work for you. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for Introduction to Beekeeping, Basic Small Engine Repair, and Sign Language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Bella. I overreacted before the end of last segment because it turns out the injuries aren't going to mean seemingly as much as I had anticipated. But the injuries I'm talking about were the ones to Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward during joint practice yesterday between the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles ahead of this Thursday's uh, uh, preseason match between the two teams. I think what it just proves is that they're not going to play probably on Thursday if they weren't already planned for that already. Because this week seems like a game in which we're not going to see a lot of the main starters. And we haven't seen a lot of the main starters in the first two games of the Browns preseason, but especially this week where just it maybe get some guys in that haven't that weren't in there last week, get them in for a series, get them right back out and let the other guys try to fight for potential playoff spots or uh, roster spots. See, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I want to see the starters in there more. I think the knock we've had against the Browns the past few seasons and Kevin Stefanski week one, they always look rusty right? right now. Last year beating Carolina, Mitch, Take that for what you will in terms of the rust, right? Deshaun Watson did start that first preseason game. Right. Jacoby Brissett was in his, in his first year here in Cleveland. It's like, you know, how, what really could have you done more and better besides playing the starters? You look at some of these other teams, right? Andy Reid plays the Chiefs starters in at least one preseason game right here. And they always come out firing, for the most part, on all cylinders. Some other teams do that as well, and they look good. Yes, you always risk injury. But at the same time, if you communicate to your guys, play smart, obviously get down, don't take the unnecessary hits. It's preseason. If you have to take an intentional grounding play, take it if you're Deshaun Watson. But Mitch, I got excited watching that first team offense against Washington last week. They looked good. Deshaun Watson looked good. It did not look like the Deshaun Watson we saw at the end of last year whatsoever. I also just don't think playing that one series they played in the second preseason game is going to be enough to carry over all the way to week one. I would like to see the starters play for the most part, probably outside of Nick Chubb, just because the running back depth is already a little thin with a few injuries. Denzel Ward has his injury history, but in terms of the offensive line right now, put him out there, put Deshaun out there and put these receivers out there. If that is what they're comfortable doing, and start building the chemistry now. So in week one, when Cincinnati comes in here, you can continue to kick their butt like we've done 
every year, at least one time. I, I, that's just something that I really want to see the Browns do. I, I hope that if they don't play this week, Mitch, it would be the next preseason game. But to me, I just don't see the value in them playing that second preseason game and then not playing the starters at all the rest of the preseason. They, yeah, they're, they're, I think they'll probably play them longer, at least the first half for the, for the Chiefs uh, preseason finale. Um, so with that, we can take it over into week one because there, there are a number of teams that are punting the preseason that I think are going to go going to be rusty. I think the Chargers are going to be rusty, for example, when they come out of the gate. Uh, there's going to be a number of teams out, out there as well. And with that, I still think with this particular game, just give your guys some time off, give them some time to just look over the playbook and 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 kind of run through these drills and not necessarily have them in real action where they could risk a potentially catastrophic injury. Um, so there is that. There are a number of uh, things that we've been kind of looking over towards the NFL. I mean, uh, a couple of starters have already been announced for week one. Carolina has already made Bryce Young their guy. Makes sense. It's uh, he, he looked sharp in his debut for Carolina. Anthony Richardson, I think, was the starter from day one in Indianapolis. So we're going to have him. Uh, he was just announced there as well. You know, the C.J. Stroud thing is interesting because didn't look fantastic in his first preseason matchup against uh, or for the Texans. And I don't expect him to not be the starter come week one. But do you think there is a not a disconnect, but there is a kind of a, a, a scaling of where Bryce Young is with the Panthers and where Richardson is with the Colts that there that is different from where Stroud is currently with Houston? I do. I think it has to do with the personnel around him. I mean, Mitch, say what you want about their debuts in the preseason. C.J. Stroud did not look good, but at the same time, the Texans' offensive line is horrible. Bryce Young's going to a situation that they did make key offseason acquisitions. They signed Adam Thielen on the outside. They signed Miles Sanders to play running back. They've kind of surrounded him with some veteran talent. And this is a team, albeit a very bad NFC South last year, Mitch, they were kind of in the playoff picture to what week 12 or 13. Anthony Richardson to me is probably in the best spot to succeed right away out of all three quarterbacks, just because now Jonathan Taylor has to play. You know, there's that dynamic right now where he wants paid more and whatever Ursay says, we'll see. But that's also a team that has some proven veterans, a team that really for the most part, outside of bad quarterback play last year, Phillip rivers came in in his last legs and took him to the playoffs. I'm curious to see what Houston does with Stroud. I do believe in playing rookie quarterbacks, but at the same time, you cannot play the rookie quarterbacks if it's going to develop bad habits and also a bad environment. You don't want to put CJ Stroud out there as your franchise quarterback year one if he is only going to get beat up and not play well. That will affect his confidence. This is a quarterback that has always played well, Mitch, at any level he's played at so far. High school is one of the best in the state of California, one of the best in the country. Ohio State, one of the best in the country. It's a rude awakening, obviously, to go to a spot like Houston, but I want to see him play, but at the same time, I don't know if playing him in year one is the best thing they could do. I think it could do more damage than good. This is not a team, if he plays well, that's going to the playoffs. They they have way too many holes on both sides of the football. But I just wonder if Houston falls into this trap where they see the other two rookie quarterbacks starting, they feel they need to start C.J. Stroud, but this isn't a spot to where Houston needs to figure out what they have in Stroud in case they need to go get another quarterback. They pretty much made it clear this is their franchise guy. It's a it's a, it's a tough tough line they're on, and what side they're going to go on, I don't know. 
Well, I mean, it's between him and Davis Mills right now, even though Case Keenum is fighting for a roster spot as potentially the third string. And if you're a first-year head coach in D'Amico Ryan's, what is it, the third now first-year head coach for the Texans in the last three years? Oh, my Lord. Um, you wonder how much – I mean, you, you do wonder at first how much leverage he would have in the organization to where if he believes that – Stroud just needs some time and he goes to the, to the, to the team and he says, well, I think he needs some time. And then you have the front office saying, no, we got to get him out right away. Week one. You got to wonder if that's going to be an issue. I mean, it, it would be an issue, but you have to wonder if that would be a possibility is what I'm saying with Ryan's in the organization. I really don't know how they feel. Obviously they want him to be progressed enough to where when he's comfortable and ready, he's going to be the guy. But for some reason, it just kind of feels like, it felt like it went young Stroud Richardson to start off as the rookie quarterbacks. Now it feels like it's young Richardson Stroud. And some people are even saying it's Richardson young Stroud, which, which very fascinates me much. Cause I, I think Richardson was probably the most NFL ready quarterback of the three coming into the draft. But a lot of people saw what Stroud did at Ohio state, what young did at Alabama. And they thought these guys have done more on the field in the last few years than Richardson had done at Florida. So I I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle uh, how they're going to handle Richardson Indianapolis and how it's going to compare to the way that numbers picks went number one and two when it's compared to pick number what 10. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's, it's it's fair. I mean, Mitch, there's also all the smoke screens you had during the draft after Richardson may have been the first quarterback taken. I, I do agree with you that he was probably the most NFL ready, definitely the most athleticism between the three in terms of the way he is built and being able to uh, be mobile with his legs and take contact. We know Bryce Young's smaller. We know CJ Stroud doesn't really like to use his legs a whole lot anyways. It's just very interesting because this is, I think this is where franchises can get themselves in trouble looking at everything else at the same time. This is your team. You can only run it one way. You have to do what's best. Look, Davis Mills, Mitch, at certain parts, really wasn't that bad in Houston. No. He had some games where he it was like, okay, could he could he be the guy? Do we not have to worry about taking a quarterback at, you know, the top three? Well, they needed to take a quarterback and but like i i just i don't know I, it's very bizarre i mean look this could backfire on the panthers this could backfire on the colts and if the texans sit stroud and let him be the backup and he doesn't play unless there's injury maybe it's beneficial but i just it's an overreaction no doubt about it i just did not like what i saw in that first preseason game against the patriots for the texans i mean it was bad it was frightening it, it was, I, I think it's more so on the offensive line than I think it was Stroud's level right now. But speaking of the Patriots, uh, a move that was made, I believe, yesterday by the team. Well, first of all, two uh, free agent running backs who've been struggling to find a team all offseason went off the board. Dalvin Cook went to the Jets. That gives Aaron Rodgers a little bit more uh, stuff to work with in the offense. And it kind of showcases, it highlights the generosity in Rodgers cutting back $35 million from his contract to uh, allow them to sign somebody like cook for what was it around? Oh, just over $6 million with uh, the Patriots. They signed Zeke Elliott to a reported one year contract uh, worth up to $6 million. I think Dalvin cook was 8.6. Zeke was $6 million. So look, it's, it's, it makes sense. Patriots need to, ba to balance the offense with some run game. 
Ramondre Stevenson uh, didn't do a ton last season. I mean, he, he, he amassed 279 total touches in 2022, by far the most in the Patriots, tied for 10th in the NFL. Just wasn't like, wasn't like the guy in terms of AFC rushers. And Zeke is a guy who's a former, obviously a former all pro back kind of got shoehorned out of Dallas when uh, Tony Pollard came in and proved to be the long-term answer for him. And now I don't expect this to be like the Patriots striking gold and finding Mac Jones, a guy that he can just hand the ball off to a bunch of times in a game. This isn't, this isn't like 2016 Zeke. Now I need a reason from you. If you can give me one, I need a reason to, as to why I should feel excited about the Patriots inking Zeke to their roster. Um, can't give you one Mitch you're talking about the fourth best team in the AFC East Zeke is obviously on his last legs he is not going to help that team win the AFC East I I mean I just I'm happy for him because obviously you want to see him play a little bit longer I do think he can provide something but I I just I'm not sold on Mac Jones as their quarterback of the future they signed Juju Smith-Schuster in the offseason now uh Bill O'Brien's back calling the plays but they could for sure surprise us and, and, you know, Zeke could actually maybe regain form for a little bit and be one of the top 15 running backs in the NFL, but he's coming into the picture late. Yeah, sure. His legs might be a little more fresh. He hasn't had to go through all the off season stuff or the beginning of training camp at the same time that can hurt guys too. They could just be way behind the game in terms of the readiness and availability to play. I hope it works out for him, but I just don't think the Patriots are a good football team. I would you look at the AFC East, Mitch? To me, they're the fourth best team in that division. So I can't give you a positive. Another thing I was looking at the other day, too, and this is from CBS Sports. I might uh was it this morning, I think it was, was that I don't know how much of the Texans Patriots game you watched, but there was a stretch where Malik Cunningham was the quarterback for New England, uh, behind the likes of Mac. Uh, Jones and Bailey Zappi. And there was a report or not a report, but an article from Cody Benjamin this, uh, this morning, who was like saying new England needs to get him under center. They need to get him out there. It almost kind of felt like the, 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 the kind of uh, excitement people got when Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't look like a fifth round quarterback for two games for the Browns. And everyone's like, Oh, we got to get this guy behind Deshaun Watson. Oh, this is guy. This is guy is going to take over for him in five years. It's going to be great. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's calm down for a second. But I don't know. It, it makes me wonder if, like, if Mac doesn't get a good off to a good start, and I don't know if Bailey Zappi is going to be the answer because everyone thought, like, when he was in that stretch during Mac's injury last year, everyone thought, oh, this is it, man. And then it wasn't. Um, I don't know if if a if Cunningham coming into the league uh, uh, from this year is going to be like this guy who can really just step in and be something special for new England. The Patriots are starting to go through what us as Browns fans went through for oh so long, not having a franchise quarterback. Okay. That's what it is. Mac Jones is not a franchise quarterback. Bailey Zappi doesn't look like a franchise quarterback. So now anytime they have a quarterback step on the field, and they have any ounce of success. Right. Like we would, Mitch. Oh my gosh. Look, 
Josh McCown just let a really good drive in the preseason. Maybe this is the guy. Brandon Whedon looked really good in week three of the preseason. You know, insert one of the 900 million quarterbacks we had. They were blessed with the greatest run of dominance at quarterback that we've ever seen. And now they're going to overreact to any success that quarterback has, especially in the preseason. Look, I could have to eat my words here. Mac Jones balls out this year because Bill O'Brien's back with him. He was at Alabama uh, before. Now I know he was, I believe, still coaching the Texans when Mac Jones was at Bama. But I think the Patriots fans, Mitch, are just looking for a glimmer of hope because they still have Bill Belichick. The defense is always, you know, respectable. They made some signings. They got Zeke now. But in reality, Cunningham is not going to be the answer either. I, I just, I think these Patriots fans are just unfortunately starting to fall where we've lived pretty much our entire lives. Well, the time will tell. And I wonder if, you know, if there's going to be, if there's like an injury to Jones again this year, if the team gets off to a really bad start, I do wonder if you start to decide, Oh, we're going to punt the season and try to get a high draft pick for, look, I can't, I can't anticipate the Patriots are going to be that bad that they're going to try and get, go get Caleb Williams. But you know, any, anything can happen. And I don't think Belichick would ever let that happen. If I'm going to be honest, unless Robert Kraft really put the, drop the hammer on him. Um, but even then Belichick runs that Belichick is like a co-owner of that team, essentially with Robert Kraft. All right. When we come back, we'll be going into um, our final segment here. We'll give you a preview of not a preview, but we'll give you a summary of what we watched this past weekend and why I'm getting a headache from one particular NBA name. Stay with us. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder. A simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. (gasps) Or a Frosty without the fries. (gasps) Or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you, the customer, to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too alt care alt care where you matter You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostran Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. 
Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy anniversary from Altcare. We're celebrating 25 years with our partners in the community. Here's Mike Galena. Sarda and Altcare, side by side, both providing a great service to our local community. Where the two connect best is where Sarda is able to get our clients and members to their prescriptions, their health care, all the needs that they have that otherwise they may let go. Thanks to our community partners as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. You need to remodel your bath? You need JR Bath Company. Trust in the quality of JR Bath. It's fast, it's safe, and it's affordable. Call today at 1-800-664-2284 or go to jrbath.com. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinella, Mitchell Ballot. It's now time for us to put our review caps on because we talked about this at the end of one of last week's episodes, the day that it was released. We finally got to see, both of us, the uh, Netflix Untold episode documentary of Johnny Manziel and his rise and fall through the ranks of college football and then eventually the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. So, Mitch, it is now time to get your thoughts on it because I gave my thoughts on last week's episode. I said that I thought it was a finely made documentary that felt a little too one-sided and essentially it didn't tell me anything that I either didn't know or I already didn't strongly assume uh and we'll get to some of these things here in a little bit we won't give any major spoilers um but at this this point if you really wanted to see it, you would have seen it by now and if you haven't then these 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 events happen in real life it's not like we're we're telling you things that somebody created in their minds and haven't happened before so mitch i want to get your uh initial well not initial thoughts because you it's sunk in for a while first of all when did you watch this this uh netflix untold I watched it last Wednesday night. Okay, so you've had some time to let it soak in. And I want to get your thoughts on it because this is this is something that, again, I thought it was fine, but it, it, it didn't feel like it was anything groundbreaking. It was a lot of the stuff that we already knew, partly yeah. because he was a Cleveland Brown. At the same time, it was a very good reminder, though, Mitch, about how he burst onto the scene in college sports, but also just in general. I mean, this was an athlete that literally came out of nowhere and took college football by storm. You saw in that documentary some things that maybe you don't get to see if you're not a Texas A&M fan, but just the revenue growth because of the impact he made on the field, because of the win they had against some good teams. And you also saw what a lot of athletes always fought for before him getting paid the nil is there now obviously probably the only one before johnny manzel that made it known or had the opportunity to get money was reggie bush which we now know happened since he's had to rescind his heisman trophy but i also think my takeaway was because of how fast he burst onto the scene and because of the success he had I can't blame him for getting a big head, right? I don't, I think anybody at that age, Mitch is going to have a big head when you realize, oh shoot, I might be the first freshman to win the Heisman trophy. I'm putting Texas on the map after they went to the SEC. I, I beat Bama at Bama, but then also realizing that 
the investigation side of things of, of him accepting improper benefits, uh, the whole friend being his agent for the most part in college, traveling everywhere. I mean, Mitch, this guy was doing what I hope to just do one of those things in my lifetime of sitting courtside or going to these, these functions of all these celebrities or athletes or whatever. I mean, my goodness, the guy was living quite the life, but to see that take a toll on his love of the game for football. Now his love of the game may not have always been there. Like we thought, because his friend even said, Johnny only cared about, you know, football, but he never studied the film or anything. And then it was, let's go party, let's go drink. It's crazy to me though, that other teams couldn't necessarily pick up on that because of the Browns never take Johnny Manziel Mitch in that draft at 22. Another team takes, it's not like we're talking about this guy never getting drafted. Another right. team takes him either later in the first round or early second round. The biggest thing I took away from the entire show, how many times have Cleveland have the Cleveland Browns drafted athletes that come here and they don't work out and you just hear, Oh, it was a bad situation. You know, I Cleveland was just dysfunctional. Johnny took it upon himself in that documentary or yeah, documentary Mitch to say it wouldn't have mattered where I went. Like I didn't love football. I was not, I, w- I was all about the hype and everything. I didn't love football. I didn't like playing. I didn't like practicing. It did not matter where I would have went. It would not have worked out. And to me, that actually said a lot in terms of his maturity because I mean, how much, how often do we have to talk about how immature he was? That was actually my biggest takeaway is knowing that for once it wasn't because the Browns were so bad. It was because this guy who was extremely talented, but like other people we've seen in the past, Mitch did not want to put in that work flat out admitted. I was never going to be anything anyways, no matter where I went. Yeah. It it, it was the only place I could think of that he may have had a chance in was with the Raiders. And that would have needed two giant stipulations that did not, exist at that point in time in the nfl one was the raiders needed to be in vegas so that he could thrive elsewhere number two uh al davis would have still would have needed to been have been alive because he would have been the only owner crazy enough to to trust him through and through um but yeah it, it, it was just one of those things where it's like uh, the viral clip that went out this week on Twitter. It's like, John, like, no, 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 we don't, you don't understand. Johnny watched zero. It was like Mr. Butarski, zero point zero hours of game film. And Johnny confirms it. And I just go, yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly I, I could tell on the field. I mean, some, there was somebody who put up a good comparison the other day is that it is funny that he put up this, essentially the same numbers that Kenny Pickett did in Pickett's rookie year when Pickett had all the help that he needed, but I, but that, that did kind of remind me of, oh, yeah, this guy was still kind of a project in year two. He wasn't, he wasn't great, but he was just kind of a guy who, you know, was kind of finding his way. And then the rolled up $20 bill photo came out. And then the girlfriend allegations came out. And then this and that. And then that, that's what snowballed in the offseason to where it's like even the Cleveland Browns at that point were like, we got to wash our hands of this. We messed up. And, you know, that's it was what it was. I didn't love how there were no interviews I don't believe there was one player of his, a teammate of his from AM or the Browns that was in this documentary. I think Cliff Kingsbury was in it. Um, who was it here? It was um, his parents, his sister, and uh, his agent, obviously, uh, a couple of their Texas AM uh, uh, faculty. And yeah, that was sort of like, it kind of felt that's where, that's why I felt it felt a little one sided, not to where I thought they were trying to manipulate the viewer, but it, it, I just would have liked more of that perspective. For sure. 
And, you know, I don't know if that necessarily tells you what you need to know about Johnny, that teammates weren't in it. It could have been something as simple as they just wanted it to be from the Manziel side of things. And that's fine. But no, I'm with you. I mean, what, Mitch, you didn't see many clips outside of game film in which they weren't even mentioning the players of any of his teammates. You saw Mike Evans and what one, and that was, I believe when they all went back to Texas A&M for a game, it, it was, it was bizarre. And you just wonder how well was he liked by those teammates, you know, and we know Brown's players weren't happy. I mean, and rightfully so, obviously it brought a lot of attention to the Browns, but not for the right reasons, right? You want the guys that bring a lot of attention because they're winning football games because they're playing at a high level or they're doing something right. Johnny was none of that, none of the above. He still had glimpses. I was never a Johnny Manziel supporter. Let me just be very clear about this. I was never in favor of the Browns drafting him. I thought he would always be a bust. I, I just, I just was never a fan of him. He did have moments though. He had a couple flashes in the pan in Cleveland. I started with the Tennessee Titans game. I think he had a pretty good game and you just wanted him to build off it, but he couldn't. And he knew what he wanted to do outside of football. And he was so focused on that. But at the same time, he is a person. How many times do we have to hear about these athletes come out and say they can't do this because they are human, right? They need their space. They need this. And for him to say he just felt like he was in a fishbowl no matter where he went, he went to the rehab. And then, you know, he saw uh, what what NFL reporter was it from ESPN drive-by as he was at the facility at rehab. And oh. he was just like, wait, what's going on? You know, why, why is he here? Because they were just looking for him. People wanted to know where Johnny was at all times. And that can be taxing, whether you want to believe it or not. All these people that want to be athletes and celebrities, like they're real people that need a break too. Sure. And so I'm happy. It seems like he's gotten his self together. Obviously there's, there was a very dark point in his life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it seems like he's kind of talking to his family again, which if you didn't know that already, that's something you find out in the documentary that him and his dad at one point were just not talking anymore. Mm -hmm don't want to say disowned him, but they just, there was no contact with his family. And then his sister gets to tell you why he's not doing anything right now, because Johnny needs time. Like he needs his time to just be himself and figure out what he wants to do. Because she, like she said, I know he could be making an impact in some way, shape or form or whatever he wants to do, but he can't. And I don't know if I can blame him, Mitch. This is a kid that went from front of magazines, Heisman trophy winner, potential number one draft pick, out every weekend at a bar partying with celebrities and athletes to rock bottom, like rock bottom cut. So yeah, I'm sure he needs his time still because he went from on top of a mountain to the very, very bottom fast. Yeah. And I, and I'll give away, I got, I'll give away part of the ending here because it's something that I definitely wanted to touch up on. If you haven't seen it, obviously log out of here. Um, the, the, the documentary you, you would think, if you didn't know the NFL, if you didn't know Johnny, you would think that it's setting you up to where he's finally found himself. He's gotten himself cleaned up. He's gotten himself talking to the family again. It doesn't end that way. And, and it's some, it's one of those instances where you kind of figure it's coming if you know him, but you get that confirmation where it doesn't seem like he's on a downward spiral. Like he might've been at some point, but it does show him drinking a beer and kind of doing a lot of the stuff that got him into trouble in the first place. But it, it to me it almost it, it kind of feels like a a little deflating because it's like yeah he still got that little bit of a demon inside of him but at the same time it kind of almost feels like a 
this sort of reserved this reserved reminder that hey this guy may not have been maybe shouldn't even been alive with some of the stuff that he was going through i mean they talk they touch on his what was it an attempted suicide uh at one point uh where he was he was going to throw this massive party in it and then end it and then you kind of get that perspective of wow this guy like you said just has as much of his demons as everyone else does maybe more so than others but I don't know. I, I kind of looked at it and at first I was like, uh, oh, he still got something there. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? This is who he is. This is the guy that he's it almost seems like he's even he's come at, come to peace with who he is now. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you're spot on. I and and maybe just not to the extreme that he was at one point, but he's definitely still got that little bit of him that wants to be able to go out and have fun and do whatever he wants. But I completely agree. I think it's a, a very spot on take. I did think it was a good documentary and I do think it was also just a good reminder. I mean, Mitch, he was good. And he was, he really was like, whether I, I mean, I wasn't a fan of him whatsoever. And even I had a hard time saying he was good. He was good. He really was, but uh, I'm interested because really now that first part of that coming out, let me rephrase that the Johnny documentary coming out. I don't want people to think there's multiple parts was just the first of many big football related documentaries coming out in the month of August. I mean, uh, hard knocks is out. I don't know if you've seen that. I watched episode one last week. I have not. The man's documentary has come out. You have another one on Netflix coming out about the Florida Gators team with Tim. Oh, is that coming out finally? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it might be a week from today. If I'm not mistaken, the 22nd, uh, urban Meyer, Percy Harvin, Tim Tebow, that Florida Gators team that won the national championship. And then you go on to find out, Oh my gosh. They had the most personalities you probably could ever have on a football team. When you look at where Tim Tebow was, to Percy Harvin, Aaron Hernandez. Don't forget Cam Newton was there as the backup. Uh, then you also have the other HBO coming out about Bishop Sycamore. Uh, it should be out here at the end of August, I believe. So, I mean, the Johnny documentary kicked off what is going to be a next few weeks of a lot of streaming of big time documentaries coming yeah, you can also watch. Uh, you can also watch the 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 rise of Jake Paul as a as a as a boxer. You can also take a look at that how he had to uh, live on the mean streets of Westlake uh, through most of his life before finding success on YouTube, and uh, now he's a boxer. Man, this is this is where we are. Jose's <laughs> better. Hey, I, I was I was I mean I wasn't surprised the other night when I saw that picture of them, but I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, hey, two. Two champion fighters in one week from the city. Who would have known? Who would have known? Speaking of speaking of athletes, and I'm uh, we're going from talking about Johnny and kind of like understanding him and all that. Uh, talking about going to another athlete that I'm just gonna trash on. I'm so sick of James Harden, man. I'm done with it. I'm so sorry. This stupid freaking video. Let me take a look at this here. This freaking video of him uh, talking to like at an event the other day, sounding off on Daryl Morey, calling him a liar, calling him. Like we know he's he's going for a trade. We know that this is going to be what his third team, fourth team in the last three years, and then he's doing stuff like this uh, in China. I don't. I'm done. I, I I'm done with him because like he's he he's a genuine talent, but he's not the same player he once was. He came up short in the playoffs again, and he's just a guy that this is a guy that you cannot win a championship if he is your main component. And and I don't even know if he's if he's your second component. You can get it done now. No, you can't because you saw it in Philly last year. He still wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game, even if the MVP 
is on his team. Uh, he's it's it's got to be careful because like we just said about Johnny, but we don't know everything. But at the same time, there's other reports about Harden saying why he wants out and just some of the lies more he told. It's like, dude, you're an adult. You're an athlete. You're one of the best basketball players in this past decade, for sure. You know, one of the greatest arguably scores of all time. Like, give it a break. I mean, Mitch, he made that pitch of the tweet you just showed right to kids yes at a kids camp yes. like what are we doing well was your own to, press was it was it to kids, or, kids or, or were there media members there that's what i'm wondering media members were there but the right kids were there too for whatever event okay okay working, I, I, which yeah, to okay. me is just like what are you like what are you doing i i don't know i mean sure trade them your philly's not going to get what they want back in return this is ultimately, if he stays there, he's not going to play. So it's only going to sabotage the Sixers, which I am A-OK with since they're a team in the Eastern Conference that has been better than the Cavs the past couple of years. And maybe it'll just want Joel Embiid to get out of there too, which I'm A-OK with that as well. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they we don't know if it's, we don't know, know if the trade's going to happen because Maury said he's still going to keep him on the team, it seems, right now. And to me, it feels like that – it feels like the trade for Harden was more egregious than like his – practice of keeping him now because the trade was for what two first rounders ben simmons and then a handful of other guys that felt more egregious because it kind of threw off philly's system of the process to where and look we were all clowning ben simmons at that point to where it's like he can't play basketball anymore but looking looking at back at it now philadelphia is in a in a in a precarious spot and then with regarding like, here's the thing, James Harden might be right about what's going on between him and, and the organization. I understand we're in an age where athletes are more empowered than they are, ever have been in terms of working their way around the business of the NBA. But then you have something like this situation where even if he's in the right, he's really not doing himself any favors in terms of the public, uh, public uh, uh, consideration. Now, I know that doesn't mean much in terms of actual business deals being made, but then you got stuff like this uh, reply from Kyrie Irving on Woj's tweet about the incident the other day where he said, is he disgruntled Adrian or is he holding Daryl accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract negotiation process this summer? I mean, it really is. It comes down to either they're going to have to give him a contract or they're going to have to trade him. And it doesn't seem like Philadelphia wants to do either. So he's going to throw he's going to make this big stink about how the organization is mistreating him and they, they're going to have to force a deal and they're going to force Philadelphia to get worse for the deal from other teams because these, these other teams are not going to be like these ones that are going to spend big on a guy who's not as young as he used to be. I mean, I know he just won the MVP, what, five years ago, even in these playoffs, he combined for like 87 points in the first two games of the series, had that big shot down the stretch, I believe, in game five. And you're thinking, okay, this is Philadelphia's time. They're going to get it. And then once you knew, once Boston won that game six, you knew it was going to be over then. But he's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 come this August. And I, I'm, I'm, he hasn't made a uh, first team. He hasn't made a all-NBA team since 2020. He, last year was the first year in which he was not named to the all-star team. Granted, that was I believe that was more so due to injury. Um but yeah, it's just not it's not a uh, it's not a situation I think a lot of teams want to get themselves involved with at this stage of the offseason. Heck no. You're not going to give up what Philly wants to get that guy. You might think he could be a fit on your team, but at the same time, 
you're taking a gigantic risk to bring him there when he has shown you absolutely zero loyalty any of the places he's been in his career. Uh, the only loyalty he's ever shown was an OKC, and then they just traded him to Houston because they knew they weren't going to be able to afford all three of the big three of Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. The Sixers, the, the Sixers had, yeah. are, are going to have to be desperate here to move him, or they're going to need a team that's desperate that thinks Harden can you know, push them over the top, which I don't see what team that would be. Harden's unhappiness with Maury stems from over the lack of a long-term max level contract offer, sources say, and the team risks the possibility of Harden's arrival at training camp, bringing anything but a championship mindset. We've seen, we have seen, hold on a second. We have seen what a James Harden uh, with a non-championship mindset has uh, brought to the table over uh, the last few years. I mean, I take a look, I'll give you exhibit a here in three, two, one. We all remember this infamous photo from a few years ago. Now, granted that might've just been overstuffed clothing, but the guy, the guy's not going to, the guy's not going to come into camp in shape at this rate. He's not going to be focused on anything other than, you know, where he can get traded to next. Um, So yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, I just can't take this guy anymore. I can't take the guy going to a team. This is this is like a seventies esque star basketball NBA player. This is like your George Gervins of the world. This is like your uh, uh, Bobby, uh, uh, the guy who played for the Lakers, who won the MVP nineteen seventy five NBA MVP. Bob McAdoo. He's like that kind of guy where it's just like you have something there and you just can't put it together. Whatever. I'm I'm finished with it. Just like he's finished with Philadelphia. I guess so. I guess so. And uh they I mean, I don't know what's gonna become of them come this next season because a lot of teams are still gonna be contention. Milwaukee's gonna be ahead of them, Miami's probably ahead of them, Boston is probably ahead of them. So this process might might be might be ending without without even a did they even make a conference final during this run? I don't think they did. I want to say they did, but I have to look up uh, these finals. Last time the Sixers played in the conference, if <laughs> it's conference finals all time, no. Okay, that's wait. This can't be right. I'm not gonna have another Cy Young thing again this year, this week. No, they haven't made it since 2001. That's cool. Awesome. All right, so that's the end of our episode here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also uh, you know, check out our stuff here on uh, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, as well as the LBN app. We usually post our episodes there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, on Instagram, at Facebook and Instagram, at Big Time Sports Ohio, on Twitter, at BTS Ohio, and then at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Ballard, pretty much everywhere else. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Snakes can predict earthquakes. Snakes actually have a sixth sense. They can sense an upcoming earthquake from a staggering 75 miles away up to five whole days before it happens. You said they have a sixth sense when it comes to this. That's not a... Six cents. I'm sorry. Thank you so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.